Hi, I'm Weird Al Yankovic, and you're listening to the Pantheon Network. Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones is one of the greatest albums by the greatest bands in rock and roll. This classic double album was a number one hit in six countries, included songs that the Stones still play in concert 40 years later. The story of how this record was made is about as rock and roll as you can get. The Stones had fled the UK to avoid a huge tax bill, and they recorded most of it in the basement of a villa Keith Richards rented in southern France that the Gestapo used as a headquarters in the 1940s. The house became a revolving door of celebrities, heroin, and music. On today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're going to honor the passing of the great Charlie Watts by going track by track through Exile on Main Street and talking about the stories behind the album. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 25. It's only rock and roll, but we like it. I am the man behind the microphone, Bruce Kramer, and I am the most fortunate person in podcast land because I am here with the majestic, the magical, and the magnanimous, I don't even know what that word means, but it rhymes, Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. How's it going? Are you rocking out there? Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia, and our show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. So tonight, in honor of the passing of Charlie Watts, we decided that we were going to talk about Exile on Main Street, one of the Rolling Stones' best albums. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's the most decadent album they have. It's total drug binge sure. recording <laughs> in a basement that wasn't made to record. You know, it came out funky, but yeah. I think that's I think it's a funky album because those guys were definitely feeling funky. And just in the element that they were in, like, you know, all the drug all the drugs and all the drug dealers and like all this like you said, all the celebrities coming in. It just sounded like a really crazy ride the whole time they were there. Well people don't know is um the house that they recorded in was Keith Richards mansion. Yeah. That yeah. he was staying at. Like the, if you heard our intro, the stones were exiled from England for not paying their taxes. Yeah, man. I mean, this. So we talked about the Stones a ton. I mean, all yeah. three of us love them. We talked about them extensively in the, uh, the Rolling Stones versus the Beatles album. But that was like twenty episodes ago, which I don't believe I just said that. That wow. we, we're, we're, kind of, yeah, we're we're episode twenty five, man. We've been doing this for almost a year now. I've been having but, a great time doing this. Sure, it's been, no, it's been so much time. fun. And yeah. this is an album like I didn't know the whole story behind it. So, and one of the best things about doing this show, man, is like all the cool shit that I'm learning about music. You know, I'm getting to indulge something that I really enjoy. And man, the story behind it. That's crazy. crazy. That's why I suggested the show. Yeah. I knew from like years ago that this album was so like down and dirty. I always said after listening to this album, you need a shower. Sure. It's so, you know, funky, like I was saying. Yeah. You know, it gives off a smell. And when we do album, when we do episodes, man, we have a long list. You know, we we wrap up an episode and then we kind of kick around ideas and everything. And this has been something, Ryan, you've had, it's been on the list for a while. It's one of my favorite albums of all time. And then when when Charlie Watts passed away a couple weeks ago, we were like, dude, we got got to do it now. Now we have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. you said about the album needing, um, like needing a shower after listen, listening to it, man. The Guardian, the the newspaper in England, said it, it's an album that just sounds like it's made by a bunch of drunks and junkies who were <laughs> somehow managed to fire on all engines at the same time. I mean, 
maybe before we even get into this, man, like and tell the story about like where they recorded it, like think about what was going on in music in the time. This album came out, what, like 72? 72, they were, yeah. yeah. So it's like Janice is dead, the Beatles are gone, Hendrix had died, Jim Morrison had died, the hippie movement was over. Punk rock music hadn't started yet. Sure, yeah. So this was the outlaw music. And this is like right after the um, that incident in California, in San Francisco, after the um, the show they put on for free. With Altamont, the Angel- yeah, yeah, the Altamont show. Yeah, yeah so, that was 1969. Yeah. I know, but this, is, yeah. this album is following up to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is like, I mean, this is like the pinnacle of like sex, drugs, and rock and sure, roll. yeah. You know, like the Stones are kind of like the bad boys of rock and roll. I mean, I point. think they the album before this they did was Sticky Fingers. And it, I think that set off such a trend for them in the seventies that they were this drugged out yeah. band. They you, know, you couldn't get more, like you said, Bruce Outlaw than the Rolling yeah. Stones. You know, they would they would uh, they would go to towns and people would like riot. Yeah, and, and they had that four album streak. Like Beggar's Banquet, Let It Bleed, Sticky Fingers, and this. Yeah. Like you put that up against any four albums that any band has ever put out They're definitely, in rock and roll. They were definitely the most dangerous band in the world at that point. Yeah. yeah. You know, like I said, like you need a shower after. Like I feel the same way about like Appetite for Destruction. Sure. Yeah. Like this gives me the same kind of vibe as that does. That's a good point. That's a very good you know, point. I, I first fell in love with this album when I was in the Bahamas. So. What they were living in the south of France, they were living like at a seashore kind of town. Yeah, you want to, you want to talk a little bit about like so how they wind up there? Well, they wind up there because they couldn't find a recording studio in France. Well, um, why? Like, well, how'd they get to France? Well, they went to France because they got exiled from England for not paying their taxes. So Keith bought a house out in uh, out in the south south of France. It was called Villa Nolet. They set up shop there, and he they said, well, "Why don't we come down here and record?" So they start shopping around for a recording studio, and they couldn't find one. It was very limited on around the area. So Keith, being the bohemian that he is, he was like, "Hey, why don't you just all come and record at my house, and we'll we'll suck it out like." 24-7. So, you know, Keith opened up his house to the Rolling Stones and his, their posse. You know, like, just a... It's not even... I can't even explain or talk about the, how much drugs they did in this oh, house. Oh, I know. It's like, they were doing this heroin. It's this Persian heroin called Pink. Like mm. thousands of dollars a yeah. day yeah. Were, or a week they were spending on yeah. this stuff. Just like, it was such a party nothing got done the first two weeks yeah i um i read an article that they owed the drug dealers so much money that the drug dealers came to the house and started stole, take, their, stole guitars stole and amplifiers in the middle of the day yeah they just, they just walked in everybody's standing around and they just walked in yeah. and, and they just took it and nobody said a word to them yeah yeah man so they like they, they leave england because they're kind of like you know they've gotten busted for drugs a couple times and then the uk government starts like trying to put their hand in their pocket and sure. the yeah. tax rate was like 93 percent. it's crazy and they had been they had just gotten out from underneath the management of this dude alan klein he was the shit bag of the week in the stones beatles episode the guy that like is. had all the royalties and he he played a role in like the yeah beatles even this album up. even this this rolling stone album he had nothing to do with and he still got credit he sued for four him albums, sure. yeah, yeah. Four yeah. Songs songs. yeah but they had just gotten out underneath that 
And they were like, all right, man, we, we got to get the hell out of here because the government's going to tax us into oblivion. Yeah. Like, so they were exiles from their home, their home yeah. country. And they, they went, he said they went there and, and they couldn't find a place to record. So they're like, well, let's just do it here. And that sounds like now that sounds like, okay, cool. They recorded in somebody's house. Nobody did that in no. the seventies. Well, what they did was they had the sound truck from the record company come out and, you know, they came out and ran all the wires out of the house. And in, in, into the truck, the sound truck. Did you hear where they got the power from? They they robbed the power from like some like like a uh, railroad, and like from the government. So they basically got all their their electricity for free. No, yeah, it was like the the railroad was coming, and there was a telephone pole. Yeah, they just hooked it, 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 it all up. Yeah. They said it really wasn't worth it at the end of the day because yeah. it would start fires. Yeah, and the electricity would go on and off and everything. But, but I'm they, sure they were very entertained by yeah, the whole but they thing had anyway. This, they had this truck that had all the gear in it, and again, that now that's pretty commonplace. But that's like yeah. nobody nobody did that. That's back like then. A, that's like an amazing thing. Yeah, um, Elvis did it for an album. He recorded an album out in in Graceland called the Jungle Room album. And he did the same thing. Yeah. I mean, that album just sucks. Yes. Yeah. The, the Jungle Room yeah, album. This, this, I mean, and this, Zeppelin did the same thing Yeah, also. This, with Zeppelin this truck. Three. Oh, is it the same truck? It's this truck that oh, they, they lent it to Zeppelin for their third and fourth albums. And oh, they shit. used it. So huh. they were like, cool, man. We've got it. Let's just hook it up. Yeah. yeah. And they when they recorded it in the house, man, they didn't they didn't sit in the living room. No. The house had this huge basement. Yeah. Right? This, this stone and it had all these like little rooms, and they said that like I mentioned this in the monologue that like during World War II, like yeah, the Gestapo used it as like their headquarters. Yeah. I, I read that there was like when Keith moved in, there was swastikas on the stairs, on the stairs, on the tiles, all around the floor. Yeah, man. And they you said know. like they would go in this basement and had all these little like nooks and crannies, and yeah. it was built in a way like they couldn't all they couldn't physically be in the same room because it it just wasn't big enough. Yeah, it was crazy. Even when they had to start the tape to record, they had to go. All right, we're ready. Right, we go down the chain. Yeah, go outside. Yeah. The and then somebody had to run out to the truck. Yeah, and tell them like, rolling, right? Yeah, and um, and it's really cool, man. Like, there's some you can see, like you can hear, watch videos of like them talking about, like they would go in this corner of this room with just like a guitar, and they'd be like, Brr, like how's that sound? You know, just yeah. they were just exploring how like reverbed and yeah, uh, they were using different rooms in the house. Yeah, um, they would try to do like isolated vocals with Mick and like the only thing that they could find was was one of the bathrooms but it was like a scratch track though yeah like, but you think about it, it was like so revolutionary you know because like you know that's pretty standard t- in today's time like you know even though like Zeppelin did it and um, nobody did anything like that nobody recorded so was, in the house yeah, yeah it was like uncharted territory you know and the um, yeah man they said like, like Bill Wyman would be in one room and his amps would have to be out in the hallway because yeah. they couldn't record yeah. anything. And they said also that it was so hot and humid in there that the guitars would like fall out of tune really quickly. Sure. So it wasn't condu- – it added to that really dirty sound that a lot of this has. The house had like um, plaster walls. They were putting carpet on the walls trying to do – it just wouldn't work out. They were having such a hard time catching something to record on. But then – so you had this like – this. And I, I just I love this whole vision, man. That they're in like the south of France, yeah. Oh la la, you know? yeah, yeah, right. And it, but then it's they're down in this dark basement, and they would they would play like these marathon sessions. Oh, all they're night. all junked out, man. They're probably yeah. more than happy to be there. And then know? at the at the top, you know, upstairs in the house, it's just like they said it was like friends and friends and friends and drug dealers and celebrities, and there's just like equipment everywhere and. B- 
booze bottles and pets are running around the floor. Yeah. But this place has these like big crystal chandeliers. Yeah. And then you've got the, the most dangerous rock and roll band in the world in like the basement where the Nazis were. Like I read a book. It was by a guy named Robert Greenfield. It's called Exile on Main Street. Um, it's a season in hell with the Rolling Stones. And he said Keith would just open up his house to all these people. Keith was such a junkie, he'd like, disappear for a couple of days upstairs. Sure. Yeah. He would say, oh, I'm going to go upstairs and take care of the kids when he's really going upstairs and shoot up some heroin. And then like you know, everybody would be ready to record and Keith wouldn't be anywhere near – incoherent to record anything yeah man he was keith richards was really really wrapped up and smack sure. at this point like yeah. and they said it would be like days that yeah. he would just be out of it and i didn't read that book a season in hell but i read about it and there's some really dark shit in no that it's, book a, it's about, a great book it's you know it, i was looking for more of the recording side of getting some information but they really talked about the drug use and how you know, Keith got clean, and his wife at the time that was with him, his girlfriend, she, he she he sent her out to to rehab, and he was like, "If you can't handle it, don't come home." Like, yeah, kind of thing. Well, I think that book has a story too that that Keith Richards gets all zonked out on heroin, and his girlfriend sleeps with Mick Jagger, like yeah. in the house. Wow! And then the um, they had a, a chef, they had a French chef that was like this big. Like Keith Richards still talks about him how yeah. great he was, but Keith Richards' girlfriend convinced the chefs like teenage daughter to start shooting smack wow. and so so you got kids doing drugs and then there's that um there's that really cool documentary the, the stones in exile yeah about yeah, the making yeah. of it yeah and the one guy was talking about he was like the drug dealer's kid he was like eight yes and he was talking about like i used to roll the joints yeah for everybody I, like I, he was basically their drug mule yeah and it's like so you got like and he's like, oh, I saw them all snorting coke and all this shit. It's like, you got children running around when this is going on. Yeah, it's just I mean, crazy. They what were, a classy environment. They, yeah. They weren't parents of the year. No. No. no like, right. We like, got uh, the, the welfare people would come through and just <laughs> snag those kids in a minute now. Yeah, man. And, it, you know, they had this just enormous party and all these people were coming in. Like, there was a story that, like, John Lennon showed up one time and he yeah. housed a bottle of wine and he puked everywhere. Yeah. And, well, you couldn't handle the heroin is yeah. what I read. He couldn't handle the, what whatever Keith was getting, you know. Then he had, like, James Caan would show up there and, like, Yoko, of course, there, Eric Clapton. Yeah. And, uh... Graham Parsons yeah, was there a yeah. lot. I and, actually, and, uh, uh, Keith kicked him out of the house. Yeah. yeah. I, I thought Mick did, because Keith was afraid, or Mick was afraid that Graham Parsons and Keith Richards were going to become so tight that they were oh. going to leave and go on oh, tour really? together. And he was like, uh, yeah. this is my band. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, get out. Yeah. He was awesome. I, I never, I know, yeah, I don't know too much about the fry, the Flying Burrito Brothers. Yeah, great name. Great name. I don't, Super I don't know. Name. I don't know about their music though. But he plays the steel guitar all through this album. Yeah, and there's a couple. There was always a rumor like, is he singing on a couple of the tracks and what a couple of the vocals? I think and they were just so fucked up. They, they know, don't even know. They don't yeah, know. Mick denies that it was him, but yeah, Mick okay. doesn't want him anywhere no. near the album. No. So it's just like, man, this this cluster F it's going yeah. on. And and at some point they finally, after a couple months and they got a lot of this stuff recorded, they weren't finished. It wasn't perfect, but they're like, we got to get out of here. Yeah. Like, because then the French, the French the cops was coming through. Yeah, yeah. The cops have kind of like had enough of their shit. Yeah. They're and, like, all right guys, you've been here for six months and we've yeah, been letting you go for everything. Yeah. And, it's and time it's to time go. The jet. And I think it came down to like, after we record the album, you know, they went to Keith Richards and they're like, like they want to question about this drug use and everything like that and he wasn't allowed in france for two years after they recorded yes. this album yes you know so they couldn't play anywhere yeah. in france because he got busted yeah and uh part of 
his uh, pleading guilty, he was allowed in France for two years. Yeah. So they got basically banned from it. So they're exiles from two countries yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> way to go, way to go. All right, so to finish the album, they went back, they went to L.A., and they yeah. did some other session work and some over, you know, they polished it up. But I think one of the great things about this album is there's not a lot of polish to it. Like, no. it is you don't so need dirty. It, it's so dirty. Right, right. I think I read in this book that they were going for a sound like the 50s. They wanted to set the album to sound like something from the 50s. Yeah. They uh, used a lot of echo. They used a lot of reverb on here. But I, I love how things sound from that basement. Like, I can hear I the drums. I do, drum. too. Mm. I can hear the drums on it. Not every song was recorded in the basement in in France. There was also recording sessions going on in California. Sure, yeah. As, as sound, something sound. Yeah. I have it written down somewhere. But... It wasn't Sound City, was it? No, no, no. Yeah, okay, and no. some of the stuff came out of like the Let It Bleed sessions too. Like, yes, some, like blueprints. Fingers. Or yeah, yeah. Fingers. yeah, yeah. They had some, some yeah. blueprints or some yeah. stuff. Um, but yeah, it, I once I was reading the story of how it was recorded, and then I went back and I listened to the album again. Yeah, and I felt like I was having a completely different experience. Yeah. Like I could mm-hmm. picture them in the basement. Sure. Yeah. You know, just and, and I had a completely different experience to it. Really, really cool. Um, that Guardian article that I quoted earlier said that like. The stones have never sounded so sexy, so raucous, and so abandoned, and so low down and dirty. You know, just again, it's just it's just rock and roll, man. It's it, a rock it, and roll album. Just, yeah, yeah, it's just great. They like and, invented that sleaze rock. They did, man. you know, like they lived it. They weren't they they weren't like coming up with a, a gimmick. They were legit like sleaze rock. And I read an article uh, the other day. That Mick Jagger said, if they didn't get thrown out of England and go record this album in France, he thinks the Stones would have broken up. You know, you guys have read so like galvanized them that like yeah. we're the bad guys. Yeah, but you he know, was convinced that the, the, world. the album. I'm sorry, the the band was going to break up. Hmm. And it was interesting, like that exile, uh, that Stones in exile thing they're talking about when they first go there. And Charlie Watts is going like, I couldn't get the right tea, and I <laughs> yeah. couldn't get milk for my tea. Everything had to be flied in. But, yeah, but yeah, Charlie they, would leave. Like he would be there all weekend. He would he leave on the like weekends. Seven hours away. Yeah, yeah he was. But like, he, would leave, he wouldn't stay the weekends. Yeah. So he would just leave during the weekends. Can you imagine putting up with those assholes? <laughs> no, and, you know, poor Charlie. God rest his soul. He put up with those boys for. A He's long like the gentleman, like the gentleman of the band. Yeah, he just went along with it, but then he probably had enough of it. It's like I'm going to fuck home. Yeah, I've been here for a week. Keith's gone. Mick hasn't even showed up yet. You know, Bill, Bill Wyman is happy to be there. Right. Bill, Bill Wyman was hard to find a lot during these re, during these sessions. Also, he Man. only played like seven. He only played bass on seven songs on this album. It or was something so. Like that. It was so fucked and not. It was even a free together. for all. It was yeah. a free for all. I would leave too. I'm like, I'm out of here. This is. <laughs> yeah. Go, when am like, I? I'm the drummer. When am I going to? When am I going to lay down today? No. Okay, I'm leaving. Yeah. yeah. And one. I mean, you gotta you gotta watch the documentary, man. It's because at some point they're showing pictures of uh, Charlie Watts and he's just like he's holding two uh, coat hangers mm. and he's just tapping so them mad. on the wall to try to get something down and then it's like. The interview, like, first of all, I've said this before, like, I could listen to Mick Jagger and Keith Richards talk about music for forever. Mm-hmm. Like, just, the dude, they're both just encyclopedias. But then hearing, like, Bobby Keys talk, and Bobby, Bobby Keys has got that, he's Texas. got that red, that Texas thing, and he's talking about the party, and he's like, well, holy dog shit, of course it's rock and roll. Like, <laughs> it's, just, it's awesome. Bam, son, yeah. it's rock and roll. Really, really, really cool, man. I saw something Keith said about him and Mick. He's like, Mick's rock and I'm roll. Yeah, I read that too. What a great line that was. Yeah. You know what? We I don't think we talked about this that much when we talked about the Beatles and the Stones was how Keith Richards plays guitar. 
that he plays only five strings. Yeah, we talked about did that. We, did we? Okay. Sure. Yeah. It's still, we still talk about it. Man, there, there was a really, I found another YouTube video. It was something he did for like Gibson. And he was just interviewing to somebody and he was like, can you sh- demonstrate it for me? He takes me? it off the guitar. Yeah. yeah. And he's yeah. like, he's like, they're sitting there smoking cigarettes. They're, yeah. yeah. They're trying yeah, to like yeah. get a pair of pliers yeah, yeah. and rip the string yeah. out. And he's just, just showing how he, how he played. And I was like, can man, imagine? just again, so cool. I had a guy so down at cool. the bar, like we we're talking about our last episode, uh, guitar picks. And he's like, oh, you know, Keith Richards, like, you know, the way that he plays, you know, those six strings. I'm like, dude, you, only you, don't know, five. you only plays five. Are you sure about that? I'm like, I'm pretty fucking yeah. sure. I <laughs> like he's. I'll put this on our Facebook page, man. But he was like, he's playing the guitar. He's just strumming the guitar. Yeah. And he's like, oh no, this doesn't work. And he rips the the sound out, and then he's down. You know, he's drop tuning it. Yeah. And in the G, and it's like you hear it from like a normal sound acoustic guitar. It's just like. Changes. falls into place yeah. and you're like there's the stone sound and he gets this but, big stupid grin on his face yeah. he's like that's yeah, rock and roll baby uh, yeah. but it's that's a blues awesome. thing that, that, but that's an old yeah. that's an old blues thing you know he didn't invent it he just used it yeah you know brilliant. really it's really brilliant. really cool man yeah. alright so we've been talking for 20 minutes man why don't we just well, I think we're gonna go track by track through this and let's let's do it this was a double album so there's yeah, a lot of ground to cover let's 18 take a, songs right yeah let's take a look at the album cover here guys I got the record right here Bunch of little small pictures on the front cover. Uh, looks like sideshow to me. Some yeah, pinups, some wrestlers, some There's belly the dude, dancers. The dude with the three billiard balls in his mouth. Yeah, like that's that famous picture famous. you've seen before. Absolutely. But that picture, from what I read, that's by Robert Frank, and that's a photo of a photo, mm-hmm. and it's from a book called The Americans that he put out. And it's like a lot of circus freaks from like the 30s and everything like that. The guy with the the balls in his mouth. I think he's got balls in his yeah, mouth. Got, but that guy's name is three. <laughs> is three ball. <laughs> three ball Charlie. That's his, his. That was his stage name. Oh, uh, shit. Wait, yeah, so you've got the yeah. So, so Ryan's got the the vinyl here. It's all black and white pictures. And it the, came with um yeah. like postcards in it, right? Like pic- my, pictures. Oh, I don't, I'm poor. I can't afford the the, the my vinyl. Vinyl is a reprint. So the maybe the original packaging has changed but i didn't get any postcards yeah i think it i think the original one it came with some postcards and some stuff but yeah i mean it's a double album i have two different sleeves for both albums and there seems like there's four songs on each each side of the album so of course there's going to be you know two two records to come in the set four different sides yeah yeah It, it makes total sense that side one ends with tumbling dice and then side two opens with Sweet Virginia. It's just, mm. it makes sense to look at the record prior to looking it on CD or looking it on the download. You know, it's it's a different experience listening to Absolutely. the record. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, yeah, when, when albums, when that kind of stuff like mattered more, you know, we talked about yeah. like, we were going through the Springsteen episode talking about the listening experience of like Born to Run, like everything's in a very particular order or the White Album or mm-hmm. stuff like that. It was, yeah, the listening experience was different more than oh, I'm going to put up Spotify and just tool around. Oh, I know yeah. that song. I want to hear that. You know, you yeah. went through it. Yeah, dude, let's just start, man. Let's yeah. play a little bit of Rocks Off. The opening song, this is one of the greatest opening songs Absolutely. on uh, you, a, Right off the bat, you get, a, you get a vibe off this album. Absolutely. Charlie Watts is, is awesome on this, he, man. He, he is. just, man, I can't even stress how much we're going to miss Charlie sure. Watts. He's yeah. the drummer's drummer, man. He is yeah. the drummer's drummer. This is a song that, man, when you when you listen to it, like you get the vibe, man, that they're in that basement and the instruments are falling out of tune because it's so muggy sure. and shit down there. But it's the sound. Like, you know what I mean? They really use it to her advantage and really, they made a masterpiece. Yeah, man. With all the, with all the elements they had to th- deal with Absolutely. All right, here's 30 seconds of it. Just play it from the beginning, man. That yeah, opening, rock, th- yeah. That opening five seconds. 
I wish we could play that whole song. Uh, yeah. like, that's a great bar song too. They build that and the way it falls down, and then they get that funky like that psychedelic jam like two and a half minutes in where his voice yes. is all distorted yes it's just a rock song Keith's, dude Keith's keeps crunching this song i've been listening to it on the headphones just now and like his crunching sound is so awesome on yeah this track. and we say it all the time like you know like is that the remastered version that you're this, playing it is do you hear things like we say it every time we sit here and listen to them like you, you, you're hearing things i'm hearing things i've never really heard because i'm not a big vinyl guy i don't call, yeah. like collect a lot of things but like i'm here like just hearing like a whole bunch of different things i've never heard before you know the rolling stones are the rolling stones but what really helped them out in this album is bobby keys sure this sure absolutely. absolutely he is a he big so part much, of this yeah. album he might as well be like the ro- a rolling stone yeah. he's so much on this album yeah and it, this uh, this song's got that great line in it too like the sunshine bores the daylights out of me mm. yeah here, that's, like, that's one of their one of their best yeah that's their great. best line so man i i uh Go ahead. I'm sorry. Okay. Do you want to? You want to just keep moving? Or you got something else on the on that? Yeah, tune? we can keep moving. All right, cool, man. Second song on this album is "Rip This Joints." This is one of my favorite ones. Is it? Steven Tyler said uh, after he got out of rehab, the only way he could ever get high was to listen to this song. <laughs> really? Said, cool. Actually, he said. I read that article. He said this is the only album that he brought to rehab with him for his first oh, really? his first time in rehab. This is the only album that he brought with him. Wow, what a great album! Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? I, that's Makes- why I thought it was humorous. The um, and uh, I mean, this is a fifth. This song just sounds like mm, 50s yeah, rock and roll. Yeah. Let's just play a little bit of it. Charlie watches drum set. I mean, yeah, it's Keith, totally. But Charlie has this way too; like he's a step behind. Exactly. Like, it's so it's, it's, it's so crazy. Only those two those guys could sling it together. Man. And it's like those like they're such a they're one of the greatest rock and roll bands to come out of England. But they have such like an American sound to them. That's their you thing. Know, That's right. what they always wanted to yeah. accomplish. Yeah. All, their, all their music their that they grew up with was American music. You know, the before them, nobody was playing blues in england yeah and that's like what we talked about on our show that's how keith and, and mick got friendly because they like the same music holding they, the they, blues they, records yeah on the on the flat you know on the train mm-hmm. and that's how they got talking you know speaking of blues man i mean the the next song is a is a blues cover right it's yeah. uh shake, it your, is hips. shake your hips it's yeah. by a guy named slim harpo harpo yeah i i had never heard of slim harpo but Until then as now, i yeah. started looking into it keith richards talked about him a lot like over the years, can, can we like cyclopedia? Can we play the original and I mean play the, the the Stones version and then the original? Yeah, man. So when you listen to this too, like uh, this 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 riff you're gonna hear at the beginning, it's Lagrange by ZZ Top. Oh, it's the same. Oh, like totally. when I was listening yeah, to it the other sure. day, and I'm like, yeah, holy yeah. shit, this is yeah. a ZZ Top riff. Uh, here you go. All right, here's the original from the Stones. Here's the original man from uh, Slim Harpo. 
different yeah. i think i think the stone is a little bit more dirtier absolutely yeah obviously you know I, we're talking about how dirty this album is right it's crazy that the, the blues song is the cleaner sounding the, the but, cleaner I mean, sounding yeah. song but, yeah. but i like the fact you know like earlier in your career all they did was covers you know and um because they're huge blues fans you're far away from that by the time they got this out this is 71 72 when they start recording this i like that they they held on to that you know, they held on to the idea of like paying homage to playing the music that they grew up on, that the, they like the covers that they played. They never yeah. got away from that. You know, yeah. I just, I just dug that. I thought it was cool. No, there's there's um, a few of these songs are covers on these albums. We'll get to the rest of them later. But um, the sh- "Shake Your Hips," man, they, that was a great original song. There was a a highly successful backup song that was called "Baby Scratch My Back." By the same guy by Slim Harpo, I just like the I just like the name of that Slim Harpo. Slim, oh, I like the yeah. name of it. Yeah, absolutely, but I like the name of that song. Baby, scratch my back. And they always like they they look back and they play a lot of blues stuff, but they they were never accused of being well. They weren't as accused as being exploitative, exploitive as like Zeppelin was, you know. Like and yeah. I've, I've I read some shit. Some people now being like, well, you know, they're still culturally appropriating, which I'm just like, what? Fuck off. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, you know, like the Stones were also the guys. Like, they would insist on bringing Hell and Wolf, sure. and all those muddy waters and stuff like that. It's a different relationship with the blues and the artists that did it than Zeppelin had. After you, after you brought that up in our last episode, I went back and I started listening to a lot more. Like Zeppelin, like, oh, what are you talking about? And then I listened to um, Rock and Roll Archaeology that episode. I was like, holy shit! I yeah, never man. knew all. This. Like, yeah. And they're like, oh. You know, no big deal. Yeah, rock and roll, arche- rock and roll archaeology put them on blast pretty, pretty was, good really, too. It was great. Yeah, it was oh, great. really? I have to check that out. Yeah, it's cool that yeah, they're like they're episode. not afraid to to step to people. So, yeah. oh well, I don't know anything that you guys are talking about, but I have to check that out. Yeah, the other Pantheon show. It's yeah. it's really good. It's the Pantheon show. It is. It is. Um, all right, you just want to keep on keep sure. on trucking here. Yeah, man. Casino Boogie is the third song on the fourth song on this album. Excuse me. It was one of the last songs that they wrote yeah. on the album, and the way they put the lyrics together was really cool. Yeah, they like wrote them down all in pieces of paper, and they were like, all right, well, we got this line, we got yeah. this line, we got this line. How about we put it this one here and this one there? And, and just pulled them out of like a hat. And that was like, great. Yeah, it in a I read that earlier this week. I thought that was great. It's so like so different. Yeah. Play like, the song. You can yeah. hear like, I, It sounds like that. They just things out of the hat like said said. They, they got it from like a william burroughs novel like yeah i read the same thing stuff that yeah. way and um yeah here let's we'll play a little bit of it They can sell anything. 
You can't really like hear yeah. what he's saying. No, you can't. But it's like everything that's going on in the song and the sound that the song is making. Yeah, is, is all together is really becoming something. Yeah, yeah. it's just the way it yeah. makes you feel when you hear it. It's, it's like, like who gives a shit what he's, he's saying? Like, right, I can make this work. Yeah, yeah. He I, was, I'll sell this. He said he was kind of like, we got to get this album done, yeah. and yeah. they just like, I am out of ideas, and they just screw like it. They're like, oh, refrigerator. Uh, yeah. I love lamp. Right. Like, it <laughs> sounds. It sounds like they had that hook together. They just didn't know how like the verses were gonna go. Yeah, yeah. so they, they had just. That Screw it, Dude. Hey man, when you're writing songs and you're dried up, you just try yeah, to sure. find anything you can. It's very creative, you know. I never knew that until we started doing research on this. Yeah, I didn't. And you can't really understand what he's saying, or like I, I never looked at the the liner notes in the album. Is there lyrics written down for on the yeah, jacket? Yeah, not, not on the jackets. Yeah, no. and no. there's a couple songs on this like you can't really hear him. Yeah. in the mix. Where I think he, that's where the great voices. things about Mick Jagger. He's like, yeah, the yeah. Mick. <laughs> that's why Mick can sell anything. I'm sing. Right, like Steven Tyler's like that too. Like yeah, Steven Tyler yeah. will like, I'm like, gonna put on that. Rah, 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 it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's in key. Keep it. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't matter what he's singing, it's how he's singing it. So But I find it um I was reading also about Keith, about how Keith records. Keith records over and over and over. I was reading that too. Over, and over again. Mick's like, Oh, it's catch the moment and Keith's more like, No man, we gotta just do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Do it, do it, it again. the best as we can. That's crazy. He's such a perfectionist. That the way I that he is. Yeah, man. I'm that surprised by that. He's such a uh, bohemian in life. He's such a train wreck. At this point, he's such a train wreck yeah. in his life. You know, but I don't think he's, he's a, a pure art. No, no, no. I'm not talking about now. Like apparently, when they're recording oh, this when album, they're recording this album. You know, yeah. and um, he's a pure artist, man. Perfectionist. They said like the one of the things I was watching too had is the, the producer of the album on it, and they were like. Dude, like time is money, man. Like we we're we're, they don't we're, care we're about weeks and weeks and weeks. It's like, oh, we have to pay taxes, got, man. We don't care about money hey, anymore. We've, we've got two songs done, yeah. and they just didn't care. They're like, we're gonna work at our own pace, and they would have these like, <laughs> you know, those recording sessions. They would start at night, and they would go all friggin' night, sure, yeah, maybe days, yeah, and they'd have almost nothing to show for it, or just all these little like scraps and pieces of stuff that it's they like, would. Piece by the together. time we're done, this little baggy. We're going to have three songs. Oh, right. man, we went through six of these bags, and we only and had that, two. It was that fast. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd it go? Um, Charlie, did you take my drugs? I was like, let's get, let's get the ball moving. <laughs> I had tea coming. <laughs> the last uh, the last song, man, on the first album is probably the most famous song on this album, too. This is my favorite Rolling Stones is it? song. Is it? Oh, this is it. This tumbling is it. tumbling dice. dice, man. Let's just play it. Yeah. Again, man, I'd be like, we so like that. Who so, play the whole so song? Like it's like magical. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they said when they came up with that song, it was automatically like, boys, we have a classic song sure. on our hands. Yeah, I was going to ask you why Why that's your favorite Stone song. There's a few different verses in there. I don't know. For some for some reason, I like when he goes six, seven, and nines, yeah. like lucky numbers. And then they say, you could be my partner in crime. Yeah. 
But the song's about a gambler who is having a hard time keeping faithful to his woman. You know, so he's out gambling. He's you know not whoring around, but he's thinking about it. You know? Yeah, I was uh, one of the interviews I read with Mick. He was saying that he didn't know anything about shooting dice, and it was yeah, like that, like a housekeeper or something yeah. was talking to him yeah. about it. And he's like, right. oh, I was just hanging out talking to her, and it's like, okay, cool. She probably um, didn't know who he was. Probably no, right? No idea. Yeah. The song was initially it had a different title. It was called "Good Time Woman," and mm-hmm. it had some different lyrics. And I guess when they they reissued the. Uh, like the deluxe edition in like 2010, mm-hmm. they uh, there was a bunch of bonus tracks on the end of it, and the original version is is on there. But Do, now this might be like a question that that none of us would know. I definitely don't know it. Do they always use the same girls for backup? Like the girl that sang for on uh, "Give Me Shelter." Did they? Because you have the girls singing in the background. It kind of sounds a little bit the same. I don't you know? know. I actually started looking into that mm. yesterday, and I. Uh, didn't find anything in 30 seconds. And yeah, yeah. I just moved, like, on. Right, move I moved on, on to yeah. the next thing. Uh, I didn't go too far down the rabbit hole, but I, I that crossed my mind. Yeah. If it was, it sounds person. like it. I could be completely wrong. They yeah. totally did the, the tracks in the house, but they did all the that California extra, in California. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they overdubs. It's possible. Overdubs. It's possible. Yeah. It's a it's a great song. It is. It is a great song. It's I said it's my favorite. The, and I just feel like it talks to me. Sure. Because I'm a gambler. I gamble in life. Good stuff, man. Uh, side two. Side two. Flip it over. So you, you finish that. You finish with that awesome song. You flip it over. You put it on. And this is what you hear. Which so different. His, his voice is so sounds so much different than anything else. He sounds on that like album. he's like he's like he's not, in a hallway or something. Yeah, like, that. like he's not right like, up on the mic. No, yeah, he might be like in a clo- like singing in a closet. And the microphone's outside the closet. You know? This is definitely one of those late night jams. Yeah, because uh, this was a big influence with Graham Parsons being around. Sure, this was a big drug binge album. I mean, this song was one of the big drug parts that they put a party that they put a song around. And you can tell it just the way the way that they're presenting the song, the way they're playing it, the way he's singing it. Like you tell yeah. he he sounds a little beat up. Yeah, it's got that, that Western yeah. like dive bar y yeah. kind of kind of sound to it. And yeah, there's always been the rumor that Graham Parsons is one of the voices in the background and Mick says that's not true and you know, mm-hmm. who knows. But um there's also uh there's always been like other versions of this song floating around. There's like bootleg versions of all the other singers pulled out or they did one on that uh the hell was that album that acoustic album they came out with stripped Stripped. there's a version on there yeah that they that was in a casino the soundtrack for Mm -hmm. casino i love the line he says drop your reds drop your greens and blues i hear the speeds inside my shoes yep (laughs) wipe that shit right off your shoe gotta scrape that shit right off your shoe (laughs) there you go Good stuff, man. It's just like yeah, you go from tumbling dice and you go to this this country western. Sound I think that's kind of the tune. other. I think that's the other American music that they fell in love with was country, country western. western. Absolutely, I, I read an article that they really fell in love with like country music toward this. Of course, during 
you know, when they start recording all this, you know, because they were all influenced by blues. But then they started getting their, their feet wet in America and they started like discovering that country music more and more. And it's something that followed them throughout their whole career, in my sure. opinion, you know, with a lot of their writing, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, I read Keith's book and he said how much that he liked, loved country music growing up because of the stories. Yeah. You know, he loved Westerns as a kid, you know, like the John Wayne movies and all that. Good stuff, man. Want to keep rolling? Yeah, man. Torn and Frayed is the next song on this album. Let's play 30 seconds of it. Has this like soul country thing going for them, man? Just another song. We're playing the the clip of it. I, I'm just like kind of nodding my right, head to yeah. it. Yeah, man. I just thing, like just get lost in it. The thing that I'm wondering: Did they invent this country rock sound back in the '72s? Maybe. Like, you know, before like the Eagles were around. They were, That's exactly. The Eagles, yeah, that was the band know. that exactly went through my head when I was listening sure. to it. It's like it sounds Absolutely. like a, like a classic American sound, but yeah. it's not. Yeah. That that Western rock that like, yeah, the, no, the they did eag- better than the, the, the Eagles, yeah, and, the Eagles. You know, maybe like a little little Southern rock kind of sound to yeah. it, like a I don't know, like a Skinner song or something. No, they they loved cruising through the West. The, you know, uh, Bruce, you you were just riding out through there. The West, I could totally know? picture listening to that. You're just kind of driving the window down and your arm hanging out and sure. driving through like Badlands or something, you know, Badlands National Park or something. Yeah, I. I I keep on saying it. I mean, the the sound of this album is unreal. But by the time you hear this song, you're getting the vibe of the album. You're like, all right, this is not satisfaction. Yeah. This is not um, brown sugar. Yeah. This is not this. This is something different. It has, yeah. has a lot more texture than those songs in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. They were, their first, like up until this point, man, they were just churning out these like singles after singles after singles yeah. after singles. And yeah. now they come out with like this double album. And this has got a totally different vibe yeah. to it. It's it's unreal what, what they. I don't think they they shot out to be a double album. I think they captured a lot of things on different sessions, and they're like, oh, they couldn't we, figure out how yeah, to cut it down. No, you yeah. can't. You might as well just you, put it both out. You can totally hear a lot of these songs. Maybe that last one too. That it was a pack recording. It just sounds. It sounds. Yeah. It sounds great. And there's a couple like some of the other albums. Like you, you look at it. There's like three, four, five. Like smash hits on yeah you know this one only has a like yeah if you're a casual fan you know tumbling dice you, you might know sweet virginia you might know happy yeah. you know there's like but there's not like a ton of like if you're a casual stones fan you don't know a lot of this stuff uh we were uh me and ryan were t- listening to this album together and i'm like like this that like, he's like man a lot of people don't know these songs and going back to like dude this is like common knowledge shit and ryan's like no dude these aren't like really popular songs to me they're popular yeah these are timeless songs All right well we're socialites so this is you true. know like this is true yeah man but it I, just amazes me that how many people do not know these well, these you know, songs it's not like this album got the popular 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 like sticky fingers did it, it's it is like the stones underground album maybe it's even their white album maybe that's a very good point. you know that's a very good point 
Yeah, and it, we didn't. It's like a bluesy fucking white album. It was. It was big. I said it went like top of the chart in like six countries and sure. you know the places like United States, England, Canada, stuff like that. But it was also like critic. It had like a weird relationship. Like critics kind of were like eh when it came out, and yeah. then as time has passed, it's. You know, now it's on every yeah, list of like yeah, yeah. you know greatest albums of all time. But yeah. it was like when it came out, man, it wasn't like this shoot. People weren't like, oh my god, the Stones, another album. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely something different for them, and it worked. I, I maybe in record sales, maybe it wasn't what they were going for, but for the legend and the stories and everything behind these songs, it became like this big phenomenon. Yeah, yeah. What they were working against, even the one, you know. But you got to think where they were, like in the public eye, you know, after coming out off the all that bad press they had, the guy getting murdered and this and that, and you know, just being busted for drugs left and right, you know. So I don't think the, um, especially America, had this huge love affair with the Rolling Stones at this point. I think they they loved their their bad boy shit. Yeah, like, the kids right, did. Right at this point, Mick got married. Yeah. You know, but that famous marriage, yeah, he like dis- yeah, he like left, yeah, right, yeah. for a while, yeah, and he just was like, "Hey, I'm get married. I have a kid coming, right." And He's we didn't like, even mention too. I'm sorry, go yeah, go for it. We just, I mean, Brian Jones died too, sure. like yeah. under questionable yeah. shit. So like, these, yeah. they really are like the bad guys yeah. of music. Yeah, it definitely the the first bad boys of rock and roll. Yeah. Let's finish this side up, guys. All right, man. We oh, got, no, no. We got two we more got songs. We got two more songs. All right. Well, oh, we'll right get on. This next one's one of my favorite songs on the album. Is it? I love it. Sweet the, Black Angel? Yeah. Um, it's about a woman named Angela Davis. She, you know, have you like, read she, about her at yeah, all, Bruce? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. She was like an activist and all that. Yeah. Well, she, she was what imprisoned. She, what she did was she purchased these guns um, that were ultimately used in a murder in protest of, oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, you're right. Yeah, yeah you're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah. this, this is, is our, the yeah. Solid Brothers movement. Yeah, um, the inmates charged murder with murdering a white prison guard named John Vincent Mills at a California at a California prison in January 16, 1970. So the trial was going on. So. A young man broke into the into the room, into the judge room, like the and, courthouse, in the courthouse, and blew the judge away. Yeah. So whatever, whatever, whatever. Who got these guns? She purchased them. This this Angela Davis. She purchased the guns, so they charged her with manslaughter and murder and all this stuff. So she went on the run. You know, she was like she was for a minute there. She she was like on FBI's top sure. list. Yeah. And she was like a member of like the Communist Party of the United mm. States. So I mean, she's yeah. probably like at this point, you know, the early seventies, late sixties. I mean, like the FBI doesn't, you know, communism still very much frowned upon. Yeah, and, and it was what's really funny. This is the only political song that the Rolling Stones had. Correct. And matter of fact, I think Mick Jagger actually went on a march to support her. It, like or her release or wanting her release or something but like going back to like you know the rolling stones is not a political band whatsoever and here they are writing a political song well they what were influenced were them they were in a room and there was a poster on the wall okay and mix like she's not a rock and roll star she's not an actress yeah she's just like that and there's posters of her they're making her like a pop a pop culture yeah. she's a sweet black yeah. angel not a gun toting teacher not yeah. a red love and school marm Ain't someone gonna set free her? Free to sweet black slave, free to sweet black f- slave. That's from the from the song. Can we hear the song? Yeah, man, it's got a, like a real like a kind of a 
Caribbean vibe to it, like a totally like a you know. Here, I think that's where they were at though. Yeah, they were they're in south of France. I love Keith's background. Yeah, yeah, there's like some instruments too that like you haven't heard yet. Yeah, Yeah. you know whatever that that yeah the bongos and the whatever that zipper sounding thing is. The the rhythm of that song is just it's Caribbeanish, but it's so great though. It's like there's little offbeats and like it's just those two guys. I love how they sing together on that track. It's yeah. beautiful. It really is absolutely beautiful. It's like you, you listen to it, like, and you you listen to it as a whole. You're like, oh, this is a pretty happy going song. And then you do the research and you read what it's about, and you're like, holy shit, this yeah, is a said, deep song. Like she was arrested, and it took like a year before she went. Like it went to trial, and she was acquitted, but she sat in jail yeah. for over yeah. a year. Sounds about that's right. That's when he was like, no. what the hell? Yeah, that sounds know, about right. They couldn't on? find yeah. her. She was hiding in New York City. <laughs> they couldn't find and her. Hiding in plain sight. <laughs> Yeah, basically, I'm sure no, that's the best way to be. All right, man. So uh, I get to finish the the first album. Yeah. Side two was uh, the song "Loving Cup." Now this is one of their greatest songs they ever written. Let's let's listen to it. Yeah. Let's check it out. Uh, Ryan, I want to ask you a question, man. Is it? Is yeah, it, dude. What makes Charlie Watts so good? Simple, absolutely. The simpleness of his playing—that's what makes him. He does exactly what the song needs. That's to me is a great drummer because he didn't have like a real elaborate drum kit. No, he right? played a four-piece like, set. Yeah, right. I mean, we all saw the uh, when they did the Zoom call, the pandemic thing, and he was playing like a bucket. Yeah, you know, yeah, with yeah, a, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Um, 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 this song was one of the only songs that wasn't recorded in France. The song was recorded at the Olympic Sound Studios in London during the Let It Bleed sessions. Nice. Um, it sounds kind of something off Let It Bleed, in sure. my opinion. Yeah. I, circling back real quick on Charlie Watts, man. Like when, he, when he died, I saw, it was a quote from Keith Richards, and I wish I would have saved it because it was so cool, and I went looking for it. I couldn't find it. He said, like, Charlie Watts built a stage that I can dance on with my guitar yeah, or something sure. like I'm, I'm doing a, a shit job yeah, trying yeah. To, but I was like I, get the gist of it, yeah. I was like man that's so like again just Keith Richards just spot on can you imagine them that they probably can't imagine themselves being out there without Charlie they've been with them for close to 60 years and, and you think about it like there's only three guys really to play on all the Rolling Stones albums it's Keith Mick and Charlie yeah. sure you know yeah now their whole career Man, yeah. I love the song. But what no, it? I'm just like, like I saw like a, another picture of the Stones, like all four of them, and somebody was like, out of the four of them, Charlie Watts is the only one who dresses like somebody his age. because <laughs> you know, they're all like, yeah, the rock and roll stars. Yeah. Right, right. I'm He's gonna like, tell. I'm gonna tell a great Charlie Watts story. 
um, one night Mick Jagger's out drinking. He's out. Having, this is like the, it's one of the greatest rock and roll He's out there stories. drinking. He's having a great time. He's Mick Jagger. He's living the life. He goes back to the hotel that all the Stones are staying in, and he's down the bar. Mick's screaming and yelling, get my drummer down here. Get my drummer down here and have a drink with me right now. So they call up to Charlie. He hears him in the background. It's like, all right, I'll be down. Charlie's like, all right, motherfucker. Gets dressed up to the T. Gets all cleaned up like a gentleman and Englishman that he is. He goes downstairs. He sees Mick Jagger and he punches him in the fucking mouth. <laughs> but he polished his shoes. Yeah, yeah. He put on a three-piece yeah. suit. But yeah. the greatest line he says to Mick, he's like, I'm not your drummer. I'm the drummer of the Rolling Stones. Yeah, you're my singer. Yeah. Love like, it. That just, yeah. like, Charlie didn't, didn't have to, to be a rock star. No. He was the, the rock of the band. Like, he held all those songs down, man. Sure. And that's what makes a great drummer. I, you know, I think me and Ryan, like, Ringo's Ringo. You know what I mean? And Charlie's Charlie, but Charlie's better than Ringo. Oh, Charlie's yeah. definitely ten, way better ten, than yeah. Ringo. Absolutely. Charlie's better same than a lot of, of... Same kind of drummer. Just did nah. exactly what the song needs and just keep it together. Charlie's a way better drummer. But, absolutely. But what I mean by that, saying they're both, their style is, they, their job's the same in both those bands. It, you know, they they just keep it rolling. Yeah. And I love that yeah. the Stones, like, I mean, they are so, they are very American. You know, and yeah. they're the blues in the country. But Charlie Watts is is uh, an Englishman. You know, he's yes. not even sure. a Brit. He's an Englishman. Englishman. Yeah. He, and yeah. He's a gentleman. He's yeah. this jazz drummer in this rock and roll band. Yeah. You know? And wow. you've got guys like, like Keith Richards, one of the greatest guitar players of all time, writes all this iconic music. And he, like, even hearing him talk about what Charlie meant to that band. Like, sure. Uh, you need all four of them to make the sounds that they made, man. But it yeah. was like Charlie was just uh, – they called it like he was the engine. He was yes. the engine of the greatest rock and roll band of all yeah. time. You don't have a good band without a good drummer. Yeah. It, it's, it's very it, true. I say it all the time. Yeah. Um, he is going to be missed in rock and roll. It was a sad day in rock and roll that he died. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's such a shame. But even – like you go on Facebook and you saw all these other acts like issuing statements and talking yeah. about like how highly just everybody in rock and roll man just looked yeah. up to him and the, what he did and what he meant to music. Yeah. Can I show you a version of Loving Cup on there? Yeah, dude, let's do it. Fish does a great version of Loving Cup. If you write it up, Loving Cup on Spotify, Fish will come up and they are. This is one of their famous covers that they yeah. do in their live shows. They played the last night of. Um, the Baker's Dozen. Okay. Uh, I see a version that says Loving Cup Live. And it's, yeah, they, that's okay. it. Yeah, okay, just play go. it up. All right, let's do it. I'm the plowman in the valley With a face full of mud Yes, I am stumbling And I know my car won't start Yes, I am fumbling and I know I play a bad guitar They did their own thing. That song. They, yeah, it's yeah, it's a different, thing. it's a real different yeah. vibe from yeah. it. Yeah, I love it. Though. So do I. It's I, one of my favorite things. One of my favorite yeah. covers that they do. Yeah, awesome guys. That's it. That's the first half, man. Yeah, we man. got through that in an hour. Look at our efficiency. Yeah, wow. we're like the Charlie Watts of podcasters. <laughs> we're yes. just simple and efficient. So, right um, on. 
Let's take a break, sure. yeah, and man. we'll come back, and we'll talk about the second half, and then uh, we'll do the news. We've got some feedback in the electric chair. Okay. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox in McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. All right, all right, all right. We are back. Thanks, everybody, for sticking with us, man. We're going to jump into sides three and four of this amazing album from the Rolling Stones. Man, I squirted some of that pink heroin. Something <laughs> you great... walk in the bathroom for? Yeah. We're going to do this next uh, this next segment in five minutes. <laughs> we're going to talk, <laughs> talk about the next eight songs in five minutes. This this next song is one of my favorite Stone songs, man. It's Happy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a Keith song, yeah. which I love it more. Yeah. That was by accident, right? I think it was on purpose. I think he said, fuck you, Mick. I'm going to sing this song. Yeah. I, the story was, he said that he was just jamming and Mick wasn't there and, and Bobby Keys was there and Jimmy Miller was there and they just kind of came up with the song. But I yeah. they could have seen it. There's always been a little push and shove yeah. between Mick Jagger and Keith Richards. On this song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Keith plays bass, bass and guitar on this and yeah. the vocals. Uh, he was doing the song during one of his drunk drug binges. So he was up for three days and he was working 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 and he finally came up with this riff happy he said we did that song in the afternoon in only four hours cut and done at noon it had never existed at four o'clock it was on tape so it was done and then mick jagger shows up and mick's like what the fuck hey mate Ah, yeah. it's whatever. Where mix like, all right, it's already in the can. Yeah, and but, then it be then it was a single too. It was like the second yeah, the second yeah. cut that they released. But and what's awesome about what Mick does is the background vocals. But he didn't do that until he got to California, right? I'm not sure, but yeah, Mick's like, that. all right, yeah. motherfucker, I'll show yeah. you. Yeah, this is your song. Yeah, we'll see. It's it's a Stone song. I the, the relationship of the two of them just made me think of the. Uh, there's a Saturday Night Live skit where Mick Jagger plays Keith Richards. Yeah, yeah that's it's great. so great, yeah. man. I watched it uh, after Charlie with Charlie Watts passed away. It's so it's fucking like, funny, you ignorant <laughs> slut. <laughs> it's so fucking Mick. funny, and he's like passed out in the corner yeah. and everything. Yeah. He said he's blowing smoke and he's ashen yeah. on him. <laughs> Play happy. All right, let's do it. <laughs> There's everything some, yeah. about that song. There's something like just the way the guitar, like what, or the way it progresses, and yeah. it gets like those notes, like like it doesn't, it doesn't sound like a normal like chord progression. It's like it, it sounds like backwards to yeah, me. Yeah, maybe almost. it's one of those maybe. weird five string chords. Yeah, it just it just sounds different. But when I hear it, I'm like, I just immediately associate that sound with the Stones. That's like one like one of the highlights of a Stone show when. When that Keith does that song, yeah. like really excited. If you're fortunate enough to ever see them, and yeah. he just owns it, like he just yeah. owns the whole the whole 
yeah. stadium he when he comes out. Couple, yeah. He'll do this and maybe TNA. Yeah. Um, I've always liked a couple songs that they like. I like the, they I, let him sing on. Let stuff. him sing. Yeah, <laughs> they I, let yeah. him sing. He, Why not? He, he did a song on yeah. Bridges to Babylon that I really yeah. liked, yeah. like um, through and through on uh, on um, Voodoo yeah. Lounge. That's hands down my favorite Stone song of all time. But I love when Keith sings. I love his voice. I love what he brings to the table. He's like he's like obviously Johnny Depp got the pirate character off of him. Oh, absolutely. And that's, what, yeah. it, and that's yeah. what it seems like he goes up there. And, hey, yeah. Hey, you're doing a big. Yeah. I've seen him. I'm just happy to be anywhere. I, <laughs> saw, him nice one time, I saw him one time in Philadelphia at Veterans Stadium. And he comes out. He says, hello, Philadelphia. You still smell the same. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And he says, like, oh, it's nice, it's nice to be here. He's like, it's nice to be anywhere. <laughs> All right, man. Next is uh, the, the the song with the. Are we done talking about happy? Yeah, yeah. you can never right. ever get done talking about happy, happy. But we must move on. Yeah, the next <laughs> song has uh, turn on the run. Turn on the run, man. I, this is probably it's the strange song, title. Like, yeah, if you don't know the Stones, you're like, really? This is a song that they have called "Turn on the Run." I thought it was yeah. like a parody of like the Paul McCartney Wings song, like "Band <laughs> on the Run." Yeah, let's play it. All right. I love that. Song. I do too, man. I, so the, like the, title, the title sucks, but it's where, like, did, where did they get the title? I have no idea. They got weird songs, titles like Short and Harry. Yeah. There's a song called Short and Harry and Star Star, which is supposed to be Star Fucker <laughs> on the girls' album, the Some Girls album, which is one of my favorite Rolling Stones albums. I saw that uh, Fish has covered this too. Fish is. This is how awesome Fish is. Every Halloween, they cover a different album by a different artist. One year, it was Dark Side of the Moon. One year, it was the Talking Heads. And one year, they did Exile on Main Street. Oh, really? So that's they, did it, they did it in its completeness. Do you have a copy of that? No. I've tried to find I'm sure it's out there like on the internet. I don't have a copy of it. It's not on Spotify. I tried to find it. So if you're out there... And you happen to have a copy. Send us a copy. Bootleg, uh, bootleg. The good trade, old days. Trading, right? The trading good old tapes. Days. Um, yeah, man. Again, like you said, like hold down. Like you're in a dive bar somewhere, and that's just there's some band that's just just fucking getting after it with that sure. harmonica. You hear him playing the harmonica, and I get just people like, yeah, get after it. You know, just uh, getting Mick, all fired up. Mick can play the harmonica, man. Keith was like, you know, Mick. He, they like you said, they bash each other all the time. He's like Mick. He's a he's a good singer, but he's not a good musician. <laughs> he's a guy. He's he an plays, okay. He's an okay, okay. play for harmonica yeah. for a white boy. Plays okay. All right, let's that's that's turn on the <laughs> turn on the. Run, I love though. it. I love it. Exile wouldn't be with without it, dude. Every song should have a every album should have a song with turd in it somewhere. So it's my right juvenile, my juvenile sense of humor. <laughs> this next song's my favorite. One of my other favorites on this album. This is a great song, man. I read an article that said this song is a box of rusty nails. Yes. And I'm like, yes, that's great. Ventilator blues, let's play it. Here, 
I wanted to make sure to get some of the sax in there. It's a, it's like I like it's a classic Keith riff. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, dude. And, it, and, uh, and another thing, <clears throat> excuse me. Like you asked Ryan, like you know, is Charlie Watts that good? It's perfect when he's playing it. He's just playing like a hi hat, and then he comes on with the off beats. It well, makes the awesome, song. What's awesome about it is Bobby Keys, the saxophone sure. player. He came up with the rhythm for that, yes. that song. Yes, and he so he's yeah. like. like Charlie Watts is like, I can't play that. He's like, son, you're a Rolling Stone. You know? yeah. So he stood next to him and was like the, the tempo. Clapping his hands. Clap it and help Charlie out on, on the song for rhythm. And then yeah. Bobby Keys is like, I taught Charlie Watts how to play something. <laughs> there you go. Give me, but it's give me a drink. Yeah, but it's great though. It's, yeah, man. It's, that, like when it's, it's an important song on this album. Like, and if you ever watch an interview with Keith Richards, like he's got that real smoke. He's like, <laughs> like he kind of laughs in this other. Yeah. I could just see that. I could see him just going like, yeah, baby, just... Yeah, he's he's ringing those notes out of the guitar, and I could yeah. just I could just picture him in my head. Like, it's like, like I said, it's a classic Keith riff. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Can I read a quote from Charlie Watts? Please, from two thousand three. He said, uh, "We always rehearse Ventilator Blues for the tour. It's a great track, but we never play it as well as we did the original. Something will not be quite right. Either Keith will play it a bit differently, or I'll do something wrong." It's a fabulous number, but a bit of a tricky one. Bobby Keys wrote the rhythm part, which is a clever part of the song. Bobby said, why don't you do this? And I said, I can't play that. So Bobby stood next to me and clapped the whole time. I followed his timing. In the words of Take 5, it's no problem. But in the world of the Rolling Stones, it's different, different altogether. Hmm. But it's it's um, they, they capture lightning in the bottle with that song. Yeah. Like, like you said, like it's a fabulous song. Can you pull it off live? Oh, sometimes yeah. you can, sometimes you can't. You and know, mixed voices like doubled up. Yeah, too, and it, you don't hear that a lot. No, in, that's in something this different. Album. Yeah, it's something different. They experimented a little yeah. bit. Yeah, little little different than what they were doing. I would think it'd be really hard to do that live. Yeah, I would love it to hear that it live. Be, yeah, but it wouldn't be an easy one. No. Yeah, it'd be a hard one for them to to play it for. Yeah, the, the The tempo's different than it yeah, was yeah. anything else on the. It's like a plotting. Kind of doing it, doing it, doing but do you think like people at a show would dig that? Like you know, going back to this isn't a very Stone very Skies. famous song. Yeah. Stones guys, yeah. Like people like the the guys from Shadoobie Club, yeah, did, yeah, yeah. Be all no, about ab- it. No, absolutely. But like you have like the soccer moms and this. I want to hear. They would have me out what the hell's going. Yeah, exactly. They'd be like, oh, what's? But what's then this? there's like white boys like you and me. Be like, I can't believe they're playing the song. Yeah, I think you would know that they don't play it very often yeah. live, and you'd be like, "Oh, I'm, I think I'm, my head, I'm seeing a special moment." Dude, my head I, would pop off. Yeah, I think it's very hard. Like, like I read, Charlie said they don't do it very well live because it's because they can't play it. It, it. They can't. They can't do it justice. Yeah, playing it live because the recording caught it. Yeah, that's what I love about one takes. Mm-hmm. You get it, and you'll never play it the same way again. Yeah, awesome stuff. Cool, man. I Just Want to See His Face is the next song. It's the 13th song on this album. I love this song, too, man. Here you go.
That I has love a, it. Yeah, that I, has like a Phil Spector kind of like little feel to it. Like they're kind of channeling like maybe like the Supremes kind of thing. It's it's very different from anything they ever really yeah, done. Yeah, somebody I read so somebody described it as like a Ronettes album. Exactly. Without like yeah. If, without Phil Spector looking yeah, over their shoulder or something, yeah, but it sounds like that's what the sound like. That sounds like that sound. Yeah, man, the, the drums on it are sounds just like great. That sound. It was said that um, the presence of Billy Preston during the final recording sessions in Los Angeles that really captured that recording. I, I'm sure maybe a lot of it was recorded in in France in the in the basement. Yeah, but you really hear like that fuzz keyboard in there the keyboard really the yeah. keyboard and the drums are the two yeah. things like you put them together man it's just a, it's just such a different vibe than anything else that's on this album i feel that song gets lost in this album for a lot of people kind of stands yeah. out it's like yeah. different yeah but yeah but, you know jagger sings on it and he plays he's playing the electric piano on it mick taylor plays the bass on it bill Plummer plays the upright bass so you got two different bass plays going hmm. on sure that's pretty awesome it's that like i said it's definitely different Different for this album. Yeah, definitely a different sound. And then the last song on the third side, man, is Let It Loose. Let's hear it. All dressed up to do your harm. That song's been like channeled, channeled later in their career, also off of like on Voodoo Lounge. A song called I think I think it might be Blinded by Rainbows, but um, that's a very familiar vibe that the Stones kind of revisited over the years. They were they were um, influenced. They were Mick was going to concerts by a gospel singer named James Cleveland, and he was really impressed by singing gospel choir. And this is what influenced for this song. Mm-hmm. They, uh, it's a different song on on yeah for this album yeah it's it, for a gospel songish to be on this hardcore dirty album yeah like, where know. they're recording it and everything yeah. that's going on and you're right I you know what I, mean? I had like, never thought of that that it does have that later Stones kind yeah, of they, they vibe. revisit it yeah but maybe they got to this part like you know how you said like the, this is kind of weird for this dirty album maybe they were like man we're all going to hell and this like. We, we, we all need to go to rehab and we need to get right lives. with the lord yeah you yeah, know james the reverend james cleveland um he was a he helped aretha franklin do her gospel album amazing grace which is one of the best-selling gospel albums yeah. of all time and also the um the the piano in that song it's uh dr john that's is, amazing that's amazing like, yeah. that's he great. was great i yeah. love doc dr john yeah. one of the like I've underrated s- i've seen him in college oh, really? before he died yeah that's awesome i was lucky enough to see him yeah, I just thought it was interesting that he just shows up on this album. Yeah. Oh, I hear you had that pink stuff. Right. Let me go here. <laughs> yeah. Right. There was a party going on. Dr. John showed up. Yeah. Someone called a doctor. And he shows up on the gospel album. You know? Yeah, I mean, God bless him. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's for the third side. And then you got four songs that bring it home on side four. I love the first song on side four. All down the line? Yeah, man. Yeah, that's a great song. Let's check it out and talk about it.
Keith is so awesome on slide, man. Yeah, he's great. He has such a sound, man. I feel like that song sounds like the most like classic rock, traditional rock, and you know, it's a, like it's got a little bit of a blues vibe, but it's not as I don't know. It's not as slow as some of the other stuff we've heard. It just I don't know. I, I, I can't. It's, I can't put it, my finger on it. It but. has a vibe to it. It has like a. Sl- if you, I guess if you're in heroin and yeah. real drugs, you, I guess it, it, you know you, you feel the vibe. But for sober guys like us, oh yeah, you know. But I, you know, like as we're sitting here listening to this album, like you know, I think definitely like Keith is definitely the MVP of this album. He makes it's these his songs. album. They, yeah. they say he it. makes these songs. Like yeah. you know, every song you hear, like I said a thousand times during this episode, it's a classic Keith riff. Mm-hmm. You know, in that song, the beginning of that song. And what's great about that, you know, you hear it coming in, and you expect it to come in, and it doesn't come in yet. Yeah, if that makes sense. You know, it's just, yeah. But yeah, this is Keith's album. Yeah. Yeah, this I've is read, like I've just by listening to it. I've heard that too. Yeah, I, yeah. I, that that was just me just sitting here thinking like this album wouldn't be as good if it wasn't for Keith Richards <clears throat> on this album. It sucks that all down the line was one of the songs that Alan Klein got hold of. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Klein sued them over songs and one, which is more crazy, and Alan Klein put it out a greatest hits album with his songs on it that yeah. he owned. It was called More Hot Rocks. Oh really? Yeah. So you ever see that more hot rocks? That's the Alan Fine. That's his version of the greatest hits. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, man. You yeah. go back to listen to the Beatles Stones episode. We talked about. It. I talked about him for like five minutes. Of what a scumbag. Yeah, he you kind of went off on him. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like yeah, he was. About it. He was a turd. He he should have been the turd on the run. He is the turtle. He's a shitbag of the week. He Again. MVP. Two-time shitbag of the week. Congratulations. I think he joins a like Turner is being the only yes, other. Two that's, time, right. Two that's right. Two-time shitbag of the week. We should get a little like uh, like shitbag of the week. Yeah. Like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> 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 and there it is. I will, I will isolate that and that will be it from now on. Well done. Yes. I'm here to impress. <laughs> we are here to educate and entertain. Uh, three songs left, man. Stop breaking down. This is a great song. This is a cover. This is a this Robert is Johnson cover. Yes. Yeah, yes. I didn't know that until I was pulling together my notes. Um, yeah, man, let's play a little bit of it. Let's play the Robert Johnson version. Here's the Stones version. Keith is the fucking man. I keep yeah. we keep on saying it and yeah. saying it and saying it. He you just proves about, it over yeah. and over again on this on this album with his licks. I, mean, I know it's a cover, but yeah. he really does make it's it his a, own. This that's a song like you, you need to listen to with a set of headphones on because there's yeah, all this other there's all there, this there shit a, going on. There was an effect in there that I heard like, on his voice. Yeah, you know I mean, like it was weird. Can we hear the original? Yeah, dude. Here's the Robert Johnson version. Every time I'm walking down the street. Some pretty mama's not breaking down with me, stop breaking down. Yes, yeah, stop breaking down. The stuff I got a bunch of brains out, baby. It'll make you lose your mind. I can't walk the streets now, Robert Johnson is the king of rock and roll. He he really did invent it, man. 
like that swing. You can't miss Scott. You can't not say it. Yeah, we got to talk about him a lot in the blues episode that we did. He's like a he's like a, a like a a legend more than anything. Like he was more of a folk hero to all these rock and rollers. You know, even to me, it's like it's, he doesn't even seem like he was a real person. Yeah, Keith. I mean, you listen to Keith Richards talk about him too. Like, I mean, he's yeah. had a huge influence on Keith Richards. Sure, yeah. There's another version of that that's wicked that I haven't that just came across. It's the White Stripes doing the same song. Can we hmm. hear a little bit of yeah, it? Yeah, I've never heard this before, so it's let's check rocking, it out. Dude. Is it? Yeah, right, here we go. Dude, Jack White's the fucking man. They got yeah. they have such a huge He's sound. The fucking man. Yeah. There's so much like fuzz on that guitar, yeah. but it just sounds like everything enormous. Everything he, everything he does sounds like that. And he's fucking great. Man. Yeah. I love dude. Yeah, I came, he a, does, man. I came across that and I was like, we gotta play this on this show. That's awesome. Badass. Yeah, I'd never heard that before, but I was pretty yeah, I never cool. heard that either. Yeah, but the original version of Stop Breaking Me Down um was recorded in the last sessions that Robert Johnson did in nineteen thirty seven. Wow. So this is one of the last songs he recorded. Recorded, yeah, man. But like the Stones do it, and they make it their own. I think sure. if you're if you're a great blues band or just band, you take it and you make it your own. Sure, the the Stones did it, and obviously the White Stripes did a great job doing their sound of that song. I might let. I might like the White Stripes version a little better than the Stones version. Yeah, man, it's, it's, that it's cool. fuzz, the yeah. fuzz sound on it was big. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're, they're a cool band. Two songs left. Shine a little light. Yeah, Brian Jones. This is the song that they wrote for Brian Jones after he died. Yeah. Here we go. Let's check it out. It's like I, I didn't know that song was dedicated. I was like, oh, "Sorry, it's your band. We're gonna throw you out." And they killed they, them. And they killed them. No, they didn't. That's they, a shame for me to say that. And we're gonna write that's a song awful. about them. No, I think that's, it's. That's a, I think it's you. a great. I think it's a great song. Yeah. I never knew it was about him. Also, yeah. until I was doing the research about this song. But Do they have like a liner that like is out? They they mention him like dedicated to. No, to him it was all. from the research that I did. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I, I, I that song to me is uplifting. No, it, absolutely. It has a yeah, great it always has been. Shine a light, man. What what is more yeah. uplifting than that? Yeah. Shine a light. Have you ever seen that that uh Scorsese Shine a Light? Did you catch catch it? Yeah, yeah I think so. Show? Yeah, that show's great. The yeah, soundtrack's great. It was that is a great soundtrack. I mean I I love that theater that they did. Yeah. That whole thing. There's like the documentary or the movie and like Bill Clinton shows up because they're in they're in Harlem. Mm-hmm. In, in the, his offices were in Harlem. His office and all that. was in Harlem. Yeah. 
That's what I was getting. Is that the is that the one when Jack White actually comes up and plays yes, with it? Yes, Jack what White so, plays. What, do you remember what song Jack White played with them on that? Yeah, one? it was probably the the one that we were just talking about. Yeah, that'd be kind of yeah. Now that we're sitting here talking about it, I th- I don't know I. I don't know what it was, but I hope it was Stop Breaking Me Down. Yeah. But that's a great soundtrack. I listen to that kind of often, like yeah. when I'm cleaning toilets at the bar. Mm. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Clean the shit. <laughs> but uh, that was also one of the uh, songs that, uh, that that shitbag Alan Klein got also. Him, got, got the rights for. And uh, yeah. yeah. I, I don't know, man. I, it's, it's, it's cool. I think the song's kind of like it's slow to get started, but then once mm. the uh, the keys yeah. come in, I was yeah. like, I I start digging the vibe. But, but it's, it's an anthem. You go see them, like you know, the whole stadium sings in it. Yeah, yeah, it's pr- pretty much toward the end of the show, usually like toward the half end of the show, and people really get into it. Mm-hmm. They enjoy it. Last song, man, Soul Survivor. This is a, a great ending to this album, this double album. Let's check it out. You know, it feels like this album, like it starts off real heavy. It starts, but by the time you get to the end of it, I feel, I feel that you kind of get worn out from the, the the musical journey. I guess not to sound cheesy, but you kind of go through what these guys have gone through making this album with it, these eighteen songs. It's definitely get worn out. It's definitely know? an experience. Yeah. You know, you're definitely living through something when you're listening to it. Like you got your ups and you, you got your ups, you got your down, your middles, and then you're it's like down. drugs. Exactly, it's, it's like, like all drugs. the drugs they were doing. Yeah. They got uppers, they got downers, they got reds, Six they eggs. got blues, <laughs> they got horse, they got coke. <laughs> and it's got that. It definitely has. It's another song with that Keith Richards just signature sound. Sure, yeah. the guitar yeah. work on it. Yeah, unreal guys. Yeah, man, that's a good one. This that. whole album, I love it. Yeah, it's a, it's a. It's just a fucking great rock and roll album. Um, and that's what it is. It's a rock and roll album. Mm-hmm. A lot of maybe Stone's albums were less rock and roll albums as the years went on. Hmm. But this one, man, this is as true to rock and roll as you can get. Would you say this is like their last major rock and roll album? Now you just make that statement. No, I, I think Goat's Head Soup was a good yeah. one. I thought It's Only Rock and Roll was a good one. Anything with Mick Taylor, those exactly. years yeah, were we didn't fucking really, awesome. Like, I, you know, we were sitting there listening to songs. We keep on talking about Keith. We didn't say too much about Mick. Well, Mick Taylor, Mick like, was still new. Great, he was still new yeah. in the guys, and they were throwing a bone here and there. He only has like one writing credit on the whole album, yeah. but dude, he's a monster guitar player. Like he's, he yeah. wrote. Like uh, me, Ryan, and I were talking, and we're talking about Mick Taylor. He's like, yo, you know, Ronnie Wood's my man. But Mick Taylor did everything important he did. with the Rolling Stones. Rolling, I mean, the Rolling Stones in the 70s were all Mick Taylor. Yeah. It's a shame he couldn't hang with He couldn't hang with He couldn't, hang, he with couldn't hang with no. them. He was going too crazy. He had his drug addictions during this whole yeah. recording of this stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's, there was a rumor there that he was so high on heroin that he tried to break up the Rolling Stones. He, he, told, <laughs> he said that he was all fucked up on heroin, but he said something to... to to Charlie and this to Bill Wyman. Like they can go out and have their own band. Oh, for real? They're like, yeah, yeah that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, all right. They They're like, who sit. are you? They're like, oh, you're, oh, you're that new kid. Yeah. yeah, right. 
Yeah, well, that's he's, he blames it on the drugs that he was on. Yeah, I read that article. Yeah, it's funny stuff. It's crazy. But yeah, everything that everything great that the Rolling Stones did, Mick Taylor's playing guitar for them. Well, or with them. yeah, in the seventies, in the seventies, before like, Ronnie I, Wood came, and in. I love Ronnie Wood. Like, yeah, but he's I no love, Mick Taylor. He is no Mick Taylor, yeah. but I love Ronnie Wood. You get, did you listen to um, Liz Fair's album? No, Exile no, in Guyville. No, so that's it's Exile in Guyville is supposed to be Liz Fair's response, like song by song response, really to Exile on Main Street. It's a great album. I mean, the last couple of things that she's put out has been shit. How how old is it? Do you think it was in the early nineties? Okay, um, and she was kind of like an indie. Uh, she's not that like the Liz. What, what's her name? Liz Fair is that like the the, the fucking concert? No. The Liz Fair, whatever. No, the fuck that no, no, that's uh, Lilith Fair. Oh, okay, my bad. No, yeah. it was um. The album came out in 93, and it's been on, like, Rolling Stone. It's on Rolling Stone's, like, 500 greatest albums of all time, but it's supposed to be, like, her, I don't know, she listened to it and was like, it's such a guy-dominated thing, and she tried to write, like, it's, like, female power. It's it's a cool album, though, for, like, does 90s. It, does it go, like, song for song, like, a response it's, to every song? Not it's not eighteen. It actually it is eighteen tracks. So yeah, she wonder, writes a, she I, writes gonna, a song in response to. Each I'm gonna have one. to listen to it and see if it follows the same like blueprint, like song for song. Like I'm the same not gonna feel. listen to it. Well, we're not gonna play. We're definitely not gonna <laughs> fucking not, play it. Yeah, I think it's up there with Kate Bush, guys. <laughs> no, it's a better. It's a it's a cool album. Um, I we'll definitely like have to give it a though, listen. But, but it's more. Yeah. All right. That's cool. Uh, <laughs> it's better than Kate Bush, people. I won't say anything else about it. If I get no, I'm gonna more give trouble. Yeah, it's it's worth checking out. I said, don't listen to. She had like one song that was popular, like a pop hit. I don't remember in the late nineties. Yeah. It, it was not good. I but. totally know she has like some hardcore street credit like for was, that album. Yes, yeah. yes, yeah. It's, I know it, the cover. I know the album cover. I never knew it had anything to do with Exile. Yeah, it's supposed to be like a response to it. So. Oh, cool. Uh, she's anyway. that important. She gets. She got to do it. There you go. So that's it, man. That is the it stones. Is, yeah. This was I. I really I say this almost every week, man. I just I really love doing the research of this and yeah. learning the story behind. it. I knew it. there was a story behind this album. That's why I pushed for it. Yeah, and go, you know, go check out the Stones in Exile. The documentary came out a couple of years ago. It was cool. Like they went back to the house and they yeah. were standing in the basement talking yeah. about. Yeah. yeah, this is the room where we did everything. Just really cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they make rock and roll albums like this anymore. No, no, it's like it's illegal. It's yeah, right. It's, yeah, especially getting thrown out of England. Right. And, you know, and having kids kids rolling joints for you. Jesus Christ. Yes, that was decadent, man. Yeah, crazy stuff, man. So I got some second thoughts. I did an appearance on episode 65 of the Bend and Scoop podcast and uh, just got to talk about the show. It was great. And, uh, you know, just they asked me some questions about kind of stuff we're listening to and, and got to plug the show. So I wanted to... Uh, you know, plug them. I really appreciated getting to spend a couple of minutes with those guys and, and just talking about what we're doing over here. And then we got some feedback on our guitar picks episode. So on uh, Twitter, Hans Carl, he's actually a music composer uh-huh. in Los Angeles. He chimed in and gave us his six picks. He picked Eddie Van Halen, The Edge, Mick Ronson, who we didn't talk about at all from mm-hmm. Bowie's band. No, he's great. Randy Rhodes. And Rusty Anderson, who I didn't know, he's actually um he was the lead guitarist with he did a shit ton of work with McCartney. So okay. oh, I said, know who he is. So, okay, yeah. Um, mm. I just thought that was cool. The Warden, Rob Owens. Who uh, cares? Who cares? Next, next. <laughs> next. I'm only kidding. He, he chimed in. He said his picks were Slash, Eddie Van Halen, David Gilmore, Brian May, Jimi Hendrix, and Clapton. The guy from Coldplay wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then we also heard from Jackie from Seattle. So it's always, always good to hear from yes. Jackie. She just said, hell yeah, another great episode. The concert stories you guys tell are so thrilling. I share your musical passion. And then she said, no music, K-N-O-W, music, you know life. No music, and O. No life. That's true. Like, absolutely I like that. true, man. Yeah. I love it. Very well said. So, Thank always, you for always getting yeah, to us, man. You're the best. Yeah, love hearing from you, Jackie. Good stuff. So, uh, music news. So, I got we got a couple stories, man. We added this to our show a couple weeks ago, and uh, you know, as we're putting our notes together for the show, we're always sharing interesting things, and we got some talking about it. So, first, man, the, the Nirvana kid. Oh, uh, what a fucking jerk off. Oh. He's a fucking yeah, douche. He, his lawyer's a jerk off. Yeah. You gave him this idea for child pornography. Yeah. Like, you know, like if you wanted to get paid, you should have just went after for like this because your your face is on T-shirts well, all over the world. What's the story, Bruce? Yeah. So Spencer Eldon, the kid who appeared on the cover of Nirvana's Nevermind 30 years ago, has filed a lawsuit against the band saying that the iconic photo shoot is child pornography. His lawyer has argued that Spencer was naked in a pool chasing a dollar bill which in turn suggests that he was some sort of sex worker. Fuck and he's here. suing like, it's like two dozen people. And he's yeah. suing them for like 150 grand yeah. each. Like, come on. Like, that kid, how many times has that kid re- reenacted? Uh, right. That's like three or four times. Internet, yeah. like all, it was like a meme. Dude, he has like, never mind tattooed on his fucking chest. Yeah, it's it's been, his identity. It's like every five years he does the shoot again. Yeah. And one of the shoots that he did, it was like when he turned, maybe it was the 30 year anniversary. He wanted to do it naked. He kept telling the friend, I mean, it was like Rolling Stone He's or somebody. And he was like, no, man, let's do it. Let's do the exact, exact reenactment. And the reporter was like, dude, you can't, we can't, we can't, we can't do that. And I put bet, it on the news. I bet if he just in the went magazine, to, if he just went to Dave Grohl and said, hey, Dave, why don't you just give me $200,000 and call it a day? Dave would be like, here you go. Yeah, yeah to go away. And I was trying to I was trying to find this again. Like the, the, he's like an artist who lives in California. Aren't they all though? Right, right. Aren't they, isn't everybody? Right. And it's one of the things I read said that he was um he reached out to the guys in the band, like he wanted to do like an art project and they told him to like go away. Yeah. And then suddenly this lawsuit came out. I went back trying to find the article and I couldn't find it. So that might just be like internet bullshit that I that I came across um, some crap I read on Reddit or something. But yeah, yeah man, it's a, like that kid's a well, dude, like I said, it's the lawyer. The lawyer put it in his head. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it was, I mean, all the memes that came out of it were great. Was, it was like yeah. the kid on uh, the Van Halen video or the album is yeah. called, <laughs> called the kid. Oh, a, oh, I didn't see that one. Called the kid a pussy. pussy. Yeah. Or the, <laughs> I guess the kid yeah. on the Alice in Chains Jar of Flies album said he's a bitch. Or the, the <laughs> kids see. on Siamese Tweet, uh, Dream by Smashing I Pumpkin. See. It was just like all yeah. these. I didn't you know, see any the of internet. It was really oh, that's funny. great. Yeah, the internet hysterical. did internet stuff and just blew them up. But. Good stuff. Yeah, and that kid, he'll be back in 10 years doing this. Doing it again. Hey, I'm the guy, remember? Yeah. His parents made a bad deal. Like, they took the picture for 200 bucks. They took a picture of him as a kid. Like, do I think that, like, through the last 20 years or wherever it is, that, like, maybe she got a little bit more money? Because it's, like, it's one of the most famous album covers of all time. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe Dave should have been the great guy that everybody says he is and give him him a couple bucks, you know? Yeah. I don't know. What do I know? I 10 bar. Clean toilets. <laughs> <laughs> this this was a so all right. Next up, Kiss versus David Lee Roth. I love. I, yeah. I find the, this story. Diamond Dave. I find this story. Gene Simmons from Kiss and David Lee Roth got into a public fight after God. Kiss dumped Diamond Dave on their latest tour. When asked why David Lee Roth wasn't going to be joining them on the tour. <laughs> 
Gene Simmons said that people want to remember Elvis Presley in his prime, not the bloated, <laughs> naked Elvis dead on the bathroom floor. What, did, what was the original story that David Roth got offered to open up for Motley Crue? And he said, I don't open for bands that I influence. influence what yeah. a dopey motherfucker. So Gene Simmons blew him up. Who, and who then, would sound better, Dave or Vince? I don't know. That would be uh, a hard show. I would go home. <laughs> <laughs> and then David Lee Roth responded by making 18 posts in a row on Instagram of, of the kid did. wearing sunglasses, raising his middle finger with the caption, Roth to Simmons. Gene Simmons has since apologized, but it was just, just funny watching the two of them just fight it it's out. It's like celebrity deathmatch on MTV. Social media. Well, yeah. Dave's just happy to get it. Like, and so is Gene. Like, they're just happy to get uh, They're the probably talking yeah. to each other, having lunch. Yeah. Like, oh, let's, let's the talk biggie, shit. Yeah, yeah, the Biggie and uh, Tupac thing. Like, oh, we're just trying to make right. money. Yeah, they're going to be shooting each other next <laughs> thing. Just, yeah, the two of them just fighting it out in, in the public domain. It was just hysterical. Uh, who cares? Johnny Ramone's guitar for sale. So if you're looking for a piece of music history, but you missed out on buying that Wu-Tang album, <laughs> Johnny Ramone's Black and White Moss Wright Ventures 2 guitar is going to auction. He played that on all 15 Ramones albums and all, whatever, 2,000 yeah. shows that they played. Just, this thing is so beat up, it's beautiful. Yeah, like the paint's coming off of Dude, it. And the guitar strap's like freaking uh, duct tape or something like that. Yeah. Wow. The uh, it's it's you can go online and bid on it right now. The bidding is what you said two hundred fifty thousand dollars. I looked at or- it before right, we came down, and it's, it's when I texted you when we talked about this, it was up to sixty thousand dollars. Now it's up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the bidding stops on the twenty fifth of yeah. September. So you got a couple weeks, man, to uh, look under those seat cushions. That's like yeah, get my change, go to the bank and cash it in. We'll pull together all the royalties we're making from doing this show. Oh, we'll, yeah. Uh, pitch in and buy it. Hear so. that, Patheon? <laughs> <laughs> you owe us. Right. And then the last show, the last music thing I had was uh, the 2021 Bonnaroo Music Festival and Arts Festival was canceled for the second year in a row, but not because of COVID. The event was canned because of flooding in the area mm-hmm. made it impossible for vehicles to safely drive and park in the area. Um you know, Bonnaroo is just one of those iconic, you know, sure. text, yeah. just amazing music festivals. I went through the, and this was also the 20 year anniversary of Bonnaroo. So I went through all the, you know, it was like 70 acts that played, 55 of which I had no fucking idea who any of them <laughs> yeah. were. It made me feel really old, but it was supposed to, um, the Foo Fighters, Megan the Stallion, who? The, the WAP. Ugh. She sang, she sings oh, out she's with Cardi B. Uh, Primus, don't ask why I know that. Uh, Primus, Incubus, Mastodon, Flogging Molly, and Nelly was supposed to play. The well, sure, it's getting hot in here. Yeah, sure, he's still got the Band-Aid on his face. So <laughs> I thought there was like Bonnaroo's like more of a hippie kind of thing. It I, was. Then it yeah. got all the shit. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's cool. Primus is playing it though. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting that it was. You know, and I, when I saw that it was canceled, I was like, oh man, it's probably canceled because of COVID. And I was like, no, man, it's because Tennessee just had an enormous amount of yeah. rain dumped on it. And it was, I think it was supposed to be like last weekend, and yeah. it got yeah. it got canceled because uh, they've just gotten probably all the drinking water got all fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. It. That happened to fish one time last year or in 2019, wasn't it? it I think it was right for yeah, the shutdown. maybe 18. Yeah, hmm. Magna Ball. It was called. No, it wasn't called Magna Ball. Something Ball. Okay. They had to cancel last minute because, because of, the, of that. Yeah. Huh. So I guess that brings us to the electric chair. Yeah. Where we kill off a song for being Zap. terrible. The electric chair is sponsored by our great friends over at Lunacy Brewing Company at 1500 West Kings Highway in Haddon Heights, New Jersey. Yeah. You can check them out on social media or at lunacybrewingcompany.com. This week, it is my turn. And I have decided to pick, since summer is over, is Wake Me Up. 
when September ends by Green Day. Yeah. You're, dude, Green. this song's about his dad, man. Is it? Yeah, because his dad died in September and all that. Uh, it's a know, very it's heartfelt a bummer, song. man. It's, this song's a no, bummer. No, I'm with you. So is, so is fucking winter, man. September is the, the gateway to fucking the song, darkness. I'm a whiner. I don't, I don't like Green Day to begin with. And then it's just like, you get every shithead trying to be... Trying to be cute because summer's over, like posting this on their social media uh, page. Like, this, oh, wake me up when summer. Like, fuck off, man. It wasn't fun. Uh, how when did this song come out? Fifteen oh, years ago. Is it the like, end of si- Oh no, it's not the end of No, but it sounds just like that fucking it's, song. It sounds the time of my life. Yeah, it sounds just <laughs> like a song, dude. Yeah, they I were just, just in town a few weeks ago. They played, and um, so I, you know, we got together, got a cooler full of beer, and we walked down. Beautiful thing living this close to uh, stadiums and got to listen to their concert for free. In the parking lot? Yeah, Weezer yeah. was great. Not even... I, yeah, you don't, not nah, even I, love I said, I don't like Green Day and I think this is one of their shittiest songs, so I'm just going to... Zap these motherfuckers. Let's just fucking blow it up. We sentence you to death. That was a wimpy Billy Joel Joe? Broadway <laughs> he was Billy. on Broadway. Yeah, it was it's on one Bar- of the songs on Broadway. Yeah, Come on, it's not punk rock, boys. Yeah, I don't. I do not like Green the only. Day. The only thing that's on punk rock on Broadway was the Clash. That's true. So that's it, man, for episode twenty-five. We are a quarter of the way to a hundred episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been really fun, man. I'm really having a good time with you, man. Guys. And we've been we've been all over the place, man. Yeah. Like the Sinatra, the punk music. You know, the, nothing is off. Uh, there are, there's nothing is off limits with us, man. No, as long as people are listening, we'll keep on coming up with yeah, ideas. Yeah, man. If you like what you hear, please consider checking us out on social media or hitting that follow button on your favorite podcast platform or leave us a review. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter. You can check us out at prisonersofrockandroll.com and you can certainly shoot us an email at prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. You know, get on board, man. We love having, we love hearing what you guys think of what yeah. we're talking about. We love hearing your feedback. We read as much as we can on the air, you know. Uh, just just get in touch with us, man. And you can also ask. We'll we'll mail you some stickers. Go listen to this album, man. Go listen to the album. Yeah. Go check out the, uh, the 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 documentary on it. There's all kinds of cool stuff you can check out. And you Oops. know, we we talked. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, was, go ahead, Bruce. A point that we've made many times is like, dude, if a band is coming and you like them and you're kind of on the fence. Go see them. Don't man. worry about the money. You'll find the You'll money. You'll find the money. Yeah, dude. Because that's like, man, like. Especially after Charlie died, like me and Ryan got to see him, like Charlie's last time in Philly. We're going you know? to we're going to Pittsburgh to see this. Are you going yeah. to see him? Yeah. So I've said to Doug, it's good. It feels like we're going to a wake. Yeah. Like like a, we're going to a party. We're it's like fuck a, a party or asshole. Yeah, yeah. It's still a show. It's still going to be a stone show, but it's just it's just not going to be the yeah, same. It's going like, to be like, it's going to be different. You yeah. Know, I'm kind of looking forward to it just to see the what, drummer. The drummer that they got is yeah, he's killer. He is killer. Yeah, he was a uh, wasn't he expensive wino? He was. Yeah, oh, was he? And he played on uh, Hell Hell Rock and Roll. He was a drummer in Hell Hell Rock and Roll, the Chuck Berry documentary. Hmm. And so, a lot, I mean, a lot of these guys, man. Like even if you were in the classic rock stuff, like. These dudes are getting old, man. You know, yeah. like I just they're saw they're getting scene. old. They're already old. I just saw that Townsend announced a bunch of dates from the Who, and it's like, dude, he's he's got to yeah. be eighty wow. or pushing eighty. You know, all the, like one of the uh, one of the Everly Brothers just died a couple weeks yeah. ago. You know, in, in ten years, man, a lot of these Everybody's dudes are gonna all going to be gone, all dropping like flies. Yeah, dude, and it's like, and and if you miss an opportunity, and if you said, oh, uh, you know, someone like. I don't know. Let me. If you like Buffett and you go like, oh well, shit, I didn't go see Buffett because he comes around every year. You missed like because of the pandemic. You know, like you yeah. just you missed it. You missed the opportunity. Yeah. And maybe you know he's pushing eighty. But the guy playing the drums for the Stones this time around, his name is Steve Jordan. Okay, and he played for Saturday Night Live, and he has a whole bunch of credits under his belt. Yeah, 
But, yeah, take uh, advantage of that stuff, man. Go yeah. see those artists before you you missed a chance, and you'll you'll never get a chance to see them. So that's a happy note. But uh, that's it, man. Right. We'll be back in two weeks. Thanks so much for checking us out. Check it later. Keep on rocking. Peace out. Peace out.